Hey there, King of Kings family. Welcome into another episode of Beyond Sunday Sermons. This is the podcast series where we take our most recent Sunday sermon at King of Kings and just dive a little bit deeper and kind of look at what was preached and kind of put our our spin on it and talk about our main takeaways from it. It's a way to maybe examine the message from a different angle. And I'm so excited to do that today. Uh, I'm Dan Hoppen. I'm the director of Connect Groups here at King of Kings. And with me is Caleb Hack. And I'm the uh, kids director here at King of Kings. It's so good to be with you today, Dan. I, I totally agree. We just had our inaugural version of this podcast last week. I thought it went really well. And if you thought it went really well, you should leave us nice comments. If you thought it was terrible, just keep that to yourself. We don't want to hear about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm here for all feedback, and honestly. No one, no one said anything bad so far. No, not so far. One episode which, in. Which is a good thing. So this week, we are continuing our series on 21 Days of Prayer, and Pastor Greg specifically focused on the tabernacle prayer. So the tabernacle was a... Uh, a portable dwelling for Moses and the Israelites uh, during the Old Testament, during their time out in the wilderness. And this was the place where God manifested his presence and shared his will with the people. So people came to the tabernacle to meet with God. And there were seven layers to this tabernacle or seven like elements to it in which people could interact with God. And I'm sure we'll get into that more. I would encourage you you know, go back and listen to Pastor Greg's message because he went into each of those elements in detail and really kind of fleshed them out. But I want to, I want to ask you, Caleb, as you listen to that message and have kind of had a, you know, about a day or a couple days to marinate on it, what's going to stand out? What's going to last in this message beyond Sunday for you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the tabernacle reminds me of just the like, original multi-site campus mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes. of all the setup and tear down and everything that had to go into that. Um, kind of like our King of Kings Northwest campus. But uh, I, I think I'd never thought of this before as a way to pray. Like I'm familiar with the tabernacle and um, God's commands that he gave to Moses and, and the Israelites in Exodus as they're traveling, you know, through, through the desert. But I never thought of it as a way to pray. I just thought of it as, you know, the, that old church building, you know, before the temple existed, before we have church buildings here today. And so it was really a unique experience to look at each of those seven parts of the tabernacle, as you mentioned, and think about, well, how can that relate to my prayer life? And how can I pray through each of those things? And so I'm excited to dive into that more. Were there any of those seven elements that really stood out to you, whether it was, oh, that's a really strong element in my prayer life or, oh, that's something I don't really incorporate into my prayer life right now? What would it look like if I did? Were there any that stood out? I mean, the one that stands out to me is so people would enter into the temple first into the outer courtyard and that's where everybody was welcome. Um, And I think that's just kind of how I see church in general right now, you know, churches, you're all welcome. Everybody can come here. I think what strikes me is in that outer courtyard, the first thing people probably see or hear or smell might be that brazen altar where these sacrifices are taking place. And obviously we don't sacrifice anymore, uh, thankfully, (laughs) but uh, it was, it, it struck me as, okay, 
you know, maybe we don't make those animal sacrifices, but what can I sacrifice? How can mm. I die to myself? And and what cross do I carry that I can just lay at the feet of Jesus and know that he has, you know, provided the atonement once and for all for me? And I think, you know, it's an ugly scene to see that brazen altar um, in the tabernacle, but I think it's paints such a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And so that's what really stood out to me. I agree. And I think that Greg did a great job of outlining that, you know, while that, it, while, you know, thinking of the brazen altar, like that is a, it's a great reminder to have. We don't need that mm-hmm. in, in, in our prayer anymore because Jesus took care of that. There's, we don't need to make animal sacrifices. Thank goodness. I think I'd be very, very bad at that. <laughs> oh, yeah. My wife would just be horrified every single time, but w- that's not a part of our faith lives anymore because Christ became that sacrifice for us. So I think incorporating that brazen altar part into your prayer and just acknowledging and remembering and being grateful that, Hey, that's, that's covered forever. That is such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the truth of the world is that our sin separates us from God and something had to pay the price for that sin. And in the old Testament, he establishes the the covenants through Moses and Abraham for these sacrifices. And then Jesus pays that price once and for all and atones for our sin. And we're, we're reconciled to God through that. And, and that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. The number one takeaway for me was actually, it was something that Greg said near the end of his message. He said, uh, you are the tabernacle of God to bring him in the midst of everyone around us. And when he said that, I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, the the tabernacle was a building where, you know, people specifically went for God. I don't consider, you know, comparing myself to a building feels kind of weird and people aren't specifically coming to God for me. But then I kind of started looking into it a little bit more and there are a couple of verses in the Bible that stood out to me. The first one, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are co-workers in God's services. You are God's field, God's building. It specifically calls us God's building. And then in 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So yes, we are like buildings for Christ. We are a way that people can, just as people went to the tabernacle, you know, generations ago to experience God, that's what we are now. We have that opportunity and really that obligation to be a spiritual experience for other people. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think I kind of grew up with a little bit of that language of like you are God's temple. And, you know, part of that was, you know, to make sure that you take care of your body. You know, it's holy. God lives within you. You know, God's always in your heart is kind of the Sunday school answer, I think. Uh, and I think what stands out to me, and I think Pastor Greg just briefly touched on this was, um, so the tabernacle, you know, it, it eventually becomes the temple in Jerusalem, um, a, a more permanent home for the Lord. And it still has those same features, um, which includes the the Holy of Holies, that place where 
nobody but the the high priest or the certain priest at the time could enter into, and that's where they really were in communion directly with God on behalf of other people. What what Greg mentioned was that uh, when Jesus died on the cross for us, that that the curtain into that holy of holies, that veil, it tore open, and that's when the new covenant became complete and, and God completed, he fulfilled the law, um, and the new co- covenants established. And, and that's where God is now entering into our hearts. He's, he's with us. He's no longer in that Holy of Holies separated. It's, it's like, he's here with us and in us, um, which is really cool. And that's what reminded me actually of, um, a prayer of St. Patrick, which, I, I must have sung this in choir at some point or something because it was just sitting in the back of my mind and I don't know where it came from, but it's really, really neat because it talks about Christ in us. And so I'll just maybe read that real quick for you. Oh, I feel like you should sing it. I, I don't know. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put that pressure you know, on you. But Peter Bay was my choir director in high school. I think I did know that. But he was. <laughs> even being reminded that, that's wild. Peter Bay is a director of our Northwest campus and an absolute gentleman and a scholar if he were here he would sing that he would sing it Peter has no shame I will not sing it I'll just read it it says Christ be with me Christ within me Christ behind me and before me Christ beside me Christ to win me Christ to comfort and restore and that's the the first stanza I think it's really amazing to have that picture of Christ in us. He's all around us. He's above us. He's below us. He's everywhere around us. He's no longer confined to that one space where only certain people are allowed to to go speak directly with him. Yeah. And I mean, it was serious business to go into that Holy of Holies. Like only the, only the priest was allowed to go in there. I think it was only once a year hmm. and they would he he would wear a bell on himself and would have a rope tied around either his waist or his ankle. Cause when you went into the holies of holies, if you hadn't properly consecrated yourself and you weren't ready to worship and commune with God in the right way, he struck the priest dead. Like it was that serious. And, and then, you know, if, if the priest is dead, they, no one else can go in there to get him, so they would just yeah. need the rope to yeah. This is this to be is able to pull him out. The holy of holies. This is where the ark of the covenant is placed too, mm-hmm. and and the the things that are in there. And I, I mean, I always picture that scene in Indiana Jones with the ark of the covenant. Yes. I don't think it's anything like that <laughs> there's at no all. Face melting going on? No, no. There's no. I don't think there was any kind of face melting. But there there are instances in the Bible where people encounter the glory of God, like Moses on Mount Sinai, and. And when that happens, you know, God says, I'll show you my back. And Moses goes blind because he just saw God's back, right? Like the glory of God dwells within us now. And we are are little Christs. You know, that's what Christian means. It means to be a little Christ. And so with God living in us, we are Christ to everyone else. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that like we know it. I, I know that and I acknowledge that in my head, but when I really think about it and I hear someone else say it, I'm just like, that is wild. It's it's unbelievable that that God would dwell within us. Yes. I, I could not agree more. Was there – when you look forward from this message, how do you see yourself applying this message to your life? Yeah, I think uh, – 
uh, something else that stood out to me was Pastor Greg talked about this kind of breaths, um, five things that you can remember uh, with this prayer so that we're blessed, we're redeemed, transformed, healed, saved. And those things I think will stick with me so that I can constantly be reminded of what Jesus is doing and the new work he's doing in me. And then the the priesthood of all believers. So um, I, I kind of learned a little bit about this in my college education. We, we called it POAB, priesthood of all believers. Nice. I like that. <laughs> and, and it means that we all, you know, have within us the keys that, that God's given us to uh, his kingdom. And we're able to, to share his word with others. We're able to um, invite people in to, um, the priesthood and, and take part in what, what he's offering to us, you know, salvation. I mean, the POAB sounds like a pretty cool club. Yeah. Like if, if instead of inviting someone to church, you're just like, want to come to the POAB? And it's, like, it's not, I don't know it's what that not is, exclusive. Yes. No, <laughs> it's not an exclusive club. No, we are all saved and, and God has offered us, you know, his, his forgiveness and, and grace. And I think that's, that's what we get through, through Jesus and, and his atonement on the cross. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to take with me, this is not going to surprise anyone who knows me whatsoever, because like everything that I do and think about is viewed through like a prism of food and restaurants. So of course, of the seven elements, the table of the the shoe bread was the one that (laughs) had the greatest interest to me. Bread. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and, and that that table, it reminds us of God's presence, just as he provided manna, bread, for the Israelites daily in the wilderness. So he is constantly in our lives. And there's also that connection, obviously, to Jesus being the bread of life. And in John 6, 35, says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this is why we, you know, when we celebrate communion, we eat bread. That's that's his body. And I was kind of thinking about this a little bit. And I was like, Bread is always good. Like I, I love carbs. Any kind of bread is good. But when is bread at its best? Hmm. When it's buttery and baked to golden perfection? Yes. But it, I was going to say when it's served warm. Uh, warm bread, it, it just takes it up another notch. Like anytime I have a piece of bread, yes, I'm probably going to butter it first. And then I'm going to throw it in the microwave. I don't know what it is. It's just... 10 to 15% better or when that bread just comes right out of the oven and you can just smell it and then you rip into it and there's steam coming out of it and it's just so delicious. That's when it's at its best. And I was kind of thinking about it as like in this analogy, like to me, the, the Bible is like the oven in which I can like heat this bread up. I always have access to this bread, but the more consistently that I'm in the word and I am heating up that promise that God has given me that he will always be there, that's when it's going to taste the best. That's when it's going to be the most fulfilling. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else. I might just be <laughs> speaking nonsense right now, but to me I was it was just like yeah, I feel my spiritual life is at its best when I'm consistently in the word and I'm not in the word nearly as much as I should be or as I even want to be. But when I am, my life is just better and it's more fulfilling. 
Yeah, yeah, I I think I relate to that definitely, and and to think that like God dwelling in us, like yeah, that does mean we should you know take care to, to you know of everything we do, the things that we're doing, whether it's taking care of ourselves or serving others or um or or doing the good works that God has prepared for us beforehand, as I think Ephesians says, like that's how we are drawing closer to Him. Because sometimes we don't feel like he is there, but he is. And what are we doing to bring ourselves a little bit closer to him when he's already there reaching out for us? Do you have any kind of daily devotion or anything that keeps you in the word consistently? Yeah, I I, I do usually just read the Bible app like every every morning, whatever the verse of the day is. Uh, and I have done a few devotions. Uh, my wife and I did a, an Advent devotion a little bit. And then, um, yeah, I, I'm, I've been looking forward to something for the new year, still trying to piece that together. But uh, I think I want to pin this, this uh, prayer of St. Patrick up and just reflect on that every day as I recall that. And then obviously the King of Kings app again has been a good way to to dive into the word a little bit deeper too. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Okay. Well, Caleb, anything else from this message that, that really stuck out to you or you think is important to share with the people? Well, I think we, we covered a good amount there and yeah, to be able to walk through those seven places in the tabernacle and pray through that um, is going to be huge. The The prayer devotion, we have a prayer guide available here at church too that has has that in it. Um, you can pick that up on the uh, the info desks, and uh, it's got it's got the whole prayer for each of those those pieces. And I think that's going to be a, a great way to pray. I, I believe it's in the app as well. And and yeah, listeners, I would highly encourage you to do that, especially if you're just like, what do I pray? I don't know how to pray. I mean, we we talked about you know last week the Lord's prayer. Jesus has provided us with you know, an exact model of how to pray, but, but the tabernacle prayer is fantastic as well. So yeah, check out those resources, check out Greg's message and listen to how he broke down kind of the seven elements. The the Bible is just really cool. And the opportunity to speak with God, it's just, it's beyond what I can fathom. It's such a blessing. And I just pray that you find new ways to do that, new ways to experience him. Uh, just thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back again next week. Let's keep living our faith lives beyond Sunday. <laughs>